0: This week's episode is brought to you by Variance. Sometimes every shot goes in. Sometimes none of them do. Hockey can be pretty annoying. Speaking of hockey being annoying...
1: Safe to say this top line is the best in the league? Yeah, we are. Racing it shoots and
2: scores! Nathan!
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, I'm Steph and you're welcome to Burgundy Radio for January 13th, 2020. Coming up on the show, it's January, and that means the Colorado Avalanche can't buy a save. We won't agree about the why, but we'll definitely talk about it. Plus, what to do with the forward lines, especially since it's legal to hit you on a stance point in the head. But before we put a whoosh, your disembodied voices for the week are Earl, hello Earl.
2: Hello friends.
0: And Jackie, hello Jackie.
1: Greetings.
0: It's January now, which means it's time to start checking in with the standings. And the Western Conference standings are hilarious. It goes St. Louis nine-point gap, two Central teams, and then all the non-California Pacific teams and Winnipeg within a four-point span. Then the bad Central teams, and then all of California, which is terrible. Hello, parody. <laughs> yeah, Colorado have dropped a third in the central with fifty five points, which is one back of Dallas and ten back of the Blues, which would be good for first in the Pacific. Still, both wild card spots are also Pacific teams. it's It's nutty. When we last met, Colorado had just dropped two divisional games in a row, and they would make it three, seven to four on New Year's Eve to the Winnipeg Jets. I hated this game. I hate playing the Jets. They have a way of just running around and distracting the Avs from playing hockey, and they always have. Nathan McKinnon scored a pair, Gabe Landis God, got one of his own, and Nazem Kadri with the two little too late goal, but when you give up four in the third period with your goalie on the way to a 7.92 save percentage on the night, you're just not going to win a lot of hockey games.
3: Nah. What I remember from this one is if the Avs ever got goalied, it was this game because was really good. He gave up four goals, though.
0: He well, gave up three while it was close.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> he could have given up a lot more.
1: He could have, too.
0: I think I remember, two of them were on the power play, yeah?
1: Yeah.
3: I remember this was the game that Abbas had, like, 70% Corsi every period. So, they, uh, they had definitely had the puck in this game. So, I I would this is like their unlucky game as we get through the rest from the last two weeks. But this one, I didn't mind so much. I think a lot of people saw the score. It was New Year's Eve. Let's be honest, a lot of people probably didn't watch it. Saw the score, figured it was the same crap, but I felt like they actually generated offense in
2: this game. So Yeah, it was closer than it looks. I 7-4 mean, seven, seven, is pretty... It's, it's pretty deceiving. I, I you know... I, I, I think you could look at this as like a five-four at worst six-four game. I mean, they they scored a bunch, but they just couldn't stop uh, the Jets' attack. Really, in, late in the game, um, wasn't so much as a, of a collapse even because um, they they really weren't turtling. <clears throat> it's just bad defensive play and some not so great goals against.
0: Yeah, you'd like to see a save here and there, but they the, the Avs would definitely not be the first team to get goalied by Winnipeg this year, so there's, there's not even a whole lot of shame in that. That's kind of been the main way they've won hockey games, even though they're well, still I mean, outside on, the playoffs.
2: I mean, Winnipeg's traditionally been a score early and coast kind of team, so that's how they usually goalie people. So it's let, let's say it's out of the ordinary for how Winnipeg usually goalies people.
0: Maybe. But maybe not so much this season. Like, it's just, Winnipeg has a much better record than they even deserve, even though it's not a particularly amazing record. Um, They they have yeah, still their defense... just not produced a whole lot outside of the crease.
3: Yeah. Yeah, their defense definitely isn't what it used to be. So, they are relying on goaltending a lot.
0: And I mean, it's a good matchup for Colorado, I think, they can just kind of skate circles around most of that team. But you can't skate circles around a goalie. I mean, you can, but it's not going to really do you a lot of good. Yeah. The Avs flipped that script in their first game of the new year. A 7-3 beatdown of... This can't be right. I I wrote here, St. Louis Blues. D- did the Avs score seven goals on the Blues? They sure did. And it did kind of
3: feel like the Winnipeg game with them generating
0: was a precursor
3: to the St. Louis game but it just felt like they were due like there were so many bad games against St. Louis, they lost all those division games leading up to the St. Louis game and maybe this was the game they focused, they actually focused and made an effort defensively and there you go
0: a
2: goal yeah, and it's three been all assists. Downhill since then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> A goal and three assists from McKinnon. Two goals from Kadri. One from Jonas Donskoy. Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, and JT Confort all with goals on the power play. No, St. Louis doesn't take yeah. penalties. Y'all are lying to me. And this was Sam's four-point game. Yeah, the Avs beat the Blues for the first time since Game 82. Beat them badly and outshot them 42 to 27.
2: And I think the power play went from low teens or maybe even 20, 21st up to 12th just on that game.
0: <laughs> well, it scored a bunch.
2: <laughs> yeah, three power play goals, so.
0: <clears throat> yeah, this is what pers- happens when Colorado actually break through St. Louis. If they can actually get behind them with the puck, this is, this is what can happen. It's just not a thing that ever happens because the Blues are so good at their own blue line.
2: Yeah, and it it, it wasn't just, I mean, they scored five-on-five, obviously, but it was that speed and and being able to force mistakes from the, the Blues' defense that drew the penalties that got them the power plays where they also capitalized. So, you know, this is one of those games you're, you know, you might criticize a lot of things about the coaching staff, but everything really came up looking good on that end during that game.
3: And if I remember right, the Blues didn't completely collapse. Like, I think in the second period they had some pushback. But it was nice to see the Avs just flat out dominate. It's just, it'd be nice if it didn't happen once every two weeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the Blues to collapse, they would have had to have something in the first place. And they never really (laughs) did. This game was pretty much all Avs all the way. Um... Yeah, Uh, including the seventh goal being scored with about five minutes left in the whole game and that chasing Bennington. That was was funny. I thought (laughs) Yeah, I I thought that was really
3: strange. I don't I don't know. At that point you're not doing it to spark your team. What were they down like three or four goals by then? And then it's like five minutes left. So what was it? Just sending a message? I I thought that was really strange. Personally, I don't know. Did anyone bother to ask what the point of that was? Or
2: it, it was one of those things where you're so overjoyed about how the game was going, you really didn't think about it much. But yeah, that that was weird. And I I can't. And think I don't of think it was injury do that.
3: related or anything like that. It really was like performance related with five minutes left. So good idea, throw your other goalie in completely cold, there's five minutes left.
0: In a yeah. game when you're getting it, shelled. I think he made one save, so good job. Yeah, he did, I mean Alan didn't do any, didn't have to do anything, but he was like fine, so didn't burn anybody. But it's just like even if you're trying to send a message, who's the message to? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Binnington, silly. I it's don't just know. so <laughs> silly at that point. I like, don't <laughs> like Bennington knows giving up seven's not acceptable. You does you don't yeah. need you to yeah. tell him that.
3: <laughs> weird yeah, decision. I am glad Bednar is is one that isn't a fan of a lot of silly messages. I guess you could say Zadorov is the exception. But other than that, Bednar doesn't do a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and it it really seems like there's just always been something else going on with Zadorov that we don't know about. Because otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense. So...
3: Because, yeah, it, their approach to him is a lot different.
0: The Avs took to the road the following Saturday, and they played an uninspired game against the equally uninspired New Jersey Devils, which they won 5-2 to two on the back of a rancid and hat trick. Is it tertiary or quaternary scoring when you get goals from Ian Cole and P.E. Belmar? Anyway, Sam Girard racked up four goals on the, or four assists on the seven goals against the Blues, which we mentioned. He added another two in this one. Philip Grubauer, perfect five on five. He did allow a goal each on the power play and penalty kill. Now, a lot of people hate the ass power play, and there's good reason for it. Either uh, bottom 10 in unblocked shot rate, middling in goals rate despite leading the NHL in total goals scored, or bottom third in XG rate, but they actually give up a perfectly average amount of shorties. They're right in the middle.
2: Yeah. I think that's something that the the staff does think about when they, you know, when when they evaluate their system. Is I, I think that fear of giving up a lot of shorthanded goals is something that makes them play a little conservative.
0: Anyway, this game was pretty boring. Hat trick aside, any takeaways for you?
3: Um, from what I remember, is it was nice to see them follow up the St. Louis game with a win because you just had to beat New Jersey, even though they had played better. I think they were like 4-0-1 or something in their last five games, so this wasn't going to be a gimme. And then it was nice to see Miko. It was probably it one or two of his only good games this week. So it was I, one of them.
2: I, I think I was really disappointed that the power play couldn't at least carry a little bit of a momentum from the first two games of that week into this one because they... They really went back to a lot of the bad stuff we don't like, and they were, you know, they only had two chances, so it's, I mean, it's tough to really show a lot, but it just, it, it really looked like they were standing around a lot and not doing much, and obviously the shorthanded goal against kind of caps off a a bad day on the on the power play, so, you know, I, I, I don't think that affected, you know, the sort of mediocre week they had this week on the power play, but it. You know, it, it would have been nice just to look better, I guess, coming off of five goals in two games. But it was one they took care of business, so... Yeah, it's a game It'll they work. should have won and did.
0: Ultimately, any anytime, um, anytime the shorthanded goal against doesn't come back to hurt you, you'll, you'll take that. Yeah. Well, if you thought that game sucked... On Monday, the Avs traveled a couple miles to play the New York Islanders, and wow, what a lifeless game! Oh, Simeon Varlamov fills up the shutout because, of course, he does, and the Avs lose one to nothing. Pablo did stop 32 of 33; can't expect better than that. They came on a little bit better. Let it, let it, they came on a little bit later in the game, was what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, you know, as we know better than anybody, when you let Varley get in the groove, he's staying in it. Yeah. But- Colorado couldn't get any of its thirty-two shots through him, so it goes. You get goalied sometimes, but for about the first half of this game, they were just unable to even look remotely dangerous.
2: Yeah, they were. They were very, very perimeter oriented in this game, and it, I realize that's exactly what the Islanders try to do to everyone, and that's that's one reason the the game was just unwatchable. But, um. Yeah, I hopefully what they did is saw how the Islanders did this because as Pierre told us last year, this is what caused the collapse. So hopefully they can avoid that this <laughs> year and figure out what the Islanders did.
0: Pierre Maguire.
3: Um,
2: okay,
0: I was like, what are you talking about?
2: Yeah. Well,
3: it, I'm sure a lot of teams wish that they had the kind of defense system the Islanders do. Yeah,
2: but but I I mean I just I, I think that. You know, being able to take a, a really good look at the film from that game and just sort of see, you know, how the Islanders were forcing them outside in all three zones, um, you know, breaking out neutral zone or, or playing on offense. You know, I, I think if they can figure out a way to you know, counter that in some manner, um, that could help them.
3: I felt like this game and the other New York game, which we'll get to, set up as a weird back-to-back because they were so different. Like, we knew heading into this Islanders game it was going to be low-scoring. And I do feel like the Avs started to be able to assert themselves a little bit in the second and third periods of this game. They weren't getting the full rush and breakaway chances, but they had chances. There were rebounds. And I think this is where it really hurt them that they're so poor around the net. They're not like a grab the rebound, create a dirty goal sort of team. And those were available to them, and they were not able to convert. I think that was part of the disappointing part. And the other was they had a late power play in this game. And in a tight defensive game like this, this is where you absolutely need a power play goal. Yeah. And not in a blowout against St. Louis when you're scoring goals anyway. Like, this is where that power play ranking really hurts.
2: Because they
3: absolutely could have tied the game and gotten a point, got it to overtime, yada yada.
2: Yeah, and it, you know we, we've talked about it, this a bunch, that the power play affects the way they play 6v5 trying to score late in, in games where they're trailing by one or two. And yeah, I, they again, I think that too. <laughs>
1: that,
2: yeah, I, and I think that you know th- this this is sort of a bad consequence of having a mediocre power play is that that's that's really tough. Now we saw obviously on Friday that they they actually can score late in a game like that, but um, didn't work here.
3: And the other thing about this game
2: was the Zadorov goal, which was
3: waved off. You just knew yeah. in a game that was so hard for goals to come by when they took that goal away.
2: That he yeah, was yeah. so mopey was probably, about
3: that. <laughs> what was the second goal of the season? He only I has know. what like five points. It would, yeah. would have been a huge goal for him, and it was a nice play. How he he moved all the way up in the offensive zone. I think he was up to the circles, and it was a nice shot. And it was so dumb that an offside that from Burakovsky from it was almost thirty seconds before that goal, and then yeah. it was an offside caused by a puck that was. 20, 25 feet in the air. Yeah. Was it probably offside? I can say yes, but to call that conclusive evidence, I think, is a stretch.
0: You're
1: talking
2: about is, a guy with-
0: being offsides by, like, literally three frames of the tape when, when the puck is way in the air. Like, give me a break.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those where if they don't catch it in real time, I just don't see the problem letting play go, and it, it just... I don't know why you'd ever review something like
0: that. Because the coach challenged it.
2: No, but I mean, I don't know why you'd ever have. I don't know why the league wants people to have recourses like that.
3: And it also took them a while to review this. This is another one where it's if you haven't found the angle in sixty seconds, call in the ice stands. It, that that's not a hard rule to implement. It also passes the common sense test. I think it would make a lot more sense.
2: Yeah, just... I I'd, I'd rather just get rid of it. I just... I, I don't see... Unless it's like a Duchesne situation. You know. <laughs> where you're I know. You all, probably
3: end up with just as many right and wrong calls without replay. Yeah. And so... Just exactly. Quit wasting
0: time. It's a sport. There's judgment calls. Move on. If if it's more than 10 seconds, it's silly. If you have to slow down from game speed, it's silly. If you have to zoom in, it's silly.
3: Yeah, and if you need five minutes to find the angle, (laughs) then it's not conclusive. That that does not mean conclusive evidence.
0: Well, this wasn't the last time this week that the Avs ended up on the wrong end of the league, because the next day... The Avs face the New York Rangers, got up to a 2-0 lead in six and a half minutes with goals from Comfort and McKinnon, then declared, good job, went home, and blew it. Comfort would add another. To make it 3-3 later in the game, but Colorado dropped this one 5-3 despite giving up less than 30 shots. Grubar with the 857 57 save percentage on the night. Colorado also played most of this game without Jonas Donskoy, who's out with... Have they an- announced concussion or anything? They said he's in protocol, which I assume is concussion protocol. (laughs) He took took most of an upper arm to the face, and then Kadri kicked the Rangers' ass so severely that the Department of Public Safety just kind of decided, nah, that's punishment enough. You're good.
3: And yet he was able to play in the Rangers' next game. Funny how that works.
2: Yeah. I I mean... I've said my piece on this, but I... I I realize why player safety does not want to penalize a guy for something that, in essence, was not malicious or careless. And, you know, it, it's tough to do that. But, I mean, there really should be some consequence for plays like that that end up injuring people, whether you meant to or not. Uh, but I just, I don't know how you do that Fairly.
3: I think the disappointing part of it was after all this, it was the Rangers that ended up with the power play. At the very least, this should have been even up.
2: I guess. I, I mean, I, I I wish I could see a penalty on the play. Enough, like the the really what like the the pick to me was probably the worst. And that was right. They could have just lingered. called
3: interference. Like I yeah. I understand they don't want to call a major because. Those are uh, pretty severe punishments. But, yeah, interference on that, that there's been a lot worse that's been called. Or, or a not a lot worse that's been interference. Let's just put it that way. Yeah.
2: But it is what it is. That's not the reason they lost, I don't think.
3: No, this, this just set up. It was their third game in four nights. It was the back-to-back after the really probably mentally and physically taxing Islanders game. They were down to 10 forwards. Kadri was out for a whole period. You lose Donskoy. So I get it. Like, this is one where you could, you could make the fatigue argument, but it was just garbage, though. They just played so bad. So careless. Yep.
2: I Without I watched it... this game a day late <laughs> and knowing the outcome. So I was in tune. You know, I knew what was going to happen. I knew when Donskoy was going to get flattened. You know, I knew the the lead would be squandered and all that. When I was watching the early part of the game, when they scored um, two goals on on Shostakovich or whatever his name is, um, that just to me looked like they were taking advantage of you know a guy making his first start. So they were, you know, there were good skilled goals and all that, but they were kind of lucky. Um, What bothered me about the early part of that game was the Rangers were already forcing their breakouts to the wall, and that's not a good sign for the Avs. If they're not able to break out through the middle, that means it's probably going to be a a little bit of a rough night in their own zone, and and I think that's what we ended up seeing. And it
3: also felt like they got a little self-satisfied after that McKinnon goal.
0: So this is a hard left turn, but it looks like the Devils are firing Shiro today.
1: Wow!
3: Wow! Hm. that's definitely something it is. to ponder. You could say. Well, <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. Maybe
2: Heinz, maybe Heinz can come back as their coach. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because of the ants. <laughs>
3: Is the it's that loss to the Avs. That's what did it. That isn't. That is really interesting that they would do that right after getting a new coach.
0: It's not like they've been even losing that many games. Like they've been they've been playing fairly well since the trade. They have trade. been. Um,
3: is it about that trade? Do they feel like they didn't get enough?
0: And then we're like a month and a half out from the trade deadline, right? And you're right in the middle of your draft prep. I mean, this is a. Interesting. It's also weird
2: because, like, like Hisher is just starting to really show sort of where he's going to be in the league, and obviously Hughes is is a couple of years away from showing, you know, what he's got. Um, it, it's just kind of weird that you ha- you know, you go out and you get Richerro, that you know, the architect of some great teams in Pittsburgh and whatnot, and then
1: you, you yeah, don't, don't let him
2: follow through with sort of what you were building.
1: Yeah, I didn't
3: think that they were on the wrong track. They have talent there. I think Gusev's also started to to get better after a couple, maybe a slow month or two. But yeah, I didn't think what they were doing there was, was poor. So that really is interesting. And maybe, maybe it is about maximizing what you're sure they're going to sell at the deadline. Sell so a lot more guys. Please don't trade for wayne simmons by the way whoever gets wayne simmons should have to wear those cones of shame at the next gm meeting just throwing that out there
2: yeah i mean maybe it was the suban trade It just you know there's some weird things that they've done but i i you know i look at the devils as a team like this is kind of what the, they should look like at this point of their rebuild given where they started
0: how
3: long has Shiro been there? Quite a while, I think. And he was able to get Hisher signed, and so I don't think he's been a bad GM. But I guess yeah, better. And, and the do weird it thing now. about
2: GMs, it's like if you don't have someone in your organization ready to take that job, and you have to go through a search or hire someone from outside your org, it's a real crapshoot. Well, it's hard to do that right
3: now. It's hard to get someone to leave.
0: Yeah, they're they're giving it it to Tom Fitzgerald for now, and I don't know who Tom Fitzgerald is.
3: Wasn't he the guy that stepped in as the, or he stepped behind the bench when they thought Hines
0: was?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna look if if I remember
0: right. I'm gonna look on on their list of things on their website and see what it says. See if it's organized like Colorado says. It is. Probably not. Oh, here we go. Senior leadership.
3: So maybe that guy's been more involved in things.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd... He's not <coughs> on this list. I just think it... Huh. It doesn't I'm, go any terrible. lower than general manager.
0: There's like This list is mostly like the managing team and stuff. Like, Will and Jada Pink and Smith are on this list. Which I did not know that. Today I learned... But anyway, um, the Avs got Rischiero fired. This is canon. Book it. Nice. So I don't really know where we were in that conversation on the Rangers. Because I, think we I, were was... the... I think we were done with.
2: I think we're. They were pretty <laughs> done with the Rangers. Yeah. Done with Rangers. Yeah. Just saying talk that about it was the <laughs> Rangers the better.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> I wasn't really listening for the last like several minutes of y'all's conversation because I was scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> Finally on Friday, the Pittsburgh Penguins come to Denver without Sidney Crosby. McKinnon breaks out of the gate in absolute turbo mode and gets a power play goal. Gabe Landeskog gets the most hilarious right angle bounce goal of the season so far from about Center Ice. But Franco struggles to bail his team out, and the Avs end up dropping a point four to three, your overtime final. Matt Calvert deflects in the first six on five avalanche goal of the season, so that's neat. Frank the eight sixty-seven on the night. And on most of the goals, there's excuses to be made, but we're reaching the point where you need a goalie to find a save. Before we launch into goalie radio, Burakovsky has Kale McCarr with him and overtime, two on nobody, right at the top of the crease, and ends up so contorted because of how he had to protect the puck to get there, they don't even manage a shot. It wasn't quite the Blake away or anything, but that sucked ass.
2: It was so bad. I mean, it, <laughs> the, the dude did the EJ slide perfectly, you know? I mean, that... That was what disrupted it, and like that shouldn't work on in three v three in overtime, and it did. <laughs> but it's just—I think it's one thing that those both those guys are so fast that what they needed to do was back off a little bit and just let them slide by, and that just—you know—that just, you know, just was—that's not in their repertoire. Um, but still, that's you know that's not a good look.
3: I would have said, why do you have Calvert? On the ice, in the empty net situation, but the answer is doing anything different than the power play setup is probably a good idea, and they were rewarded.
2: Yeah, that was a great shot from a car too. I mean, it was. Yeah, you know, I, I actually getting a goal like that, and I'm not sure that might have is that their first of the year.
0: Yes, it
2: was. Yeah, so. You know that's something they've really struggled with, and, and just in general, it
3: coming back from behind is, and all these games we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, it's just when they lose the lead in the third period, that's it. Yeah, and that's, in the disappointing part. So
2: at least and, it, and to- it's t- I can see from their their standpoint, it's like they can't have much confidence that they're going to come back. I mean, it's not like two years ago when they could just pop one in. I also of think it's their all the style
3: of play. They're just so much better with the lead, and I, I understand that every team is, but really their system is just so designed, the way that they play, is to get that first goal and get the lead. And the Eagles play the same way. It's really hard when they don't have the lead.
2: Yeah. But with the talent they have, they should be able to generate something approximating offense late in games, and they haven't until then.
0: Yes, that should be a concern. Which is completely compounded with at least one or two egregious breakdowns per third period, and zero of them being bailed out
3: ever. That too, it's it's everyone, and it. I think Bednar is correct that the rush coverage is so bad, and that doesn't fall on just the defensemen. And a lot of times, it really there really aren't the culprit. It's just the complete lack of back check is yeah when
2: uh, i you problem. see a lot of goals the third guy in is the one that finishes it off and that's you know that's 99% of the time that's a forward's responsibility so
0: <clears throat> there's on, there's only two defenders yeah. so it makes sense
2: right cuz it it it's usually one they can one, only cover so much
0: one skater will come in and probably make a pass to the other skater who shoots and your goalie makes the save and, and then your forward responsibility is to fall down and slide and, and take out one of your defenders, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Landy on his ass going by at Mach 5 was awesome.
3: Disco- okay, now I know <laughs> Frank did not play that goal well, but I'm giving him a pass for that one because the, what he must have seen to have both defenders on either side of him sliding towards the wall must have been horrifying that that was the one of the weirdest things i've ever seen that (laughs) why landy was sliding from that he was like at the top of the circles and he slid all the way through makar all the way to the boards and graves ate it too at the exact same time and he's sliding towards the boards and you have three guys completely out of the play. That, I mean, yeah, that just looked like follies on ice or stuff I don't know. I think the ice was horrific in this game. And, yes, both teams had to play on it. So that's not an excuse. But the abs couldn't, especially near the boards, like in the neutral zone. I swear every other shift,
0: somebody would eat it right there. Yeah. It- it was so bad. It was pretty bad. And that that's not the goal I'm going to give a pass on because it's not like even though the situation in front of him is dangerous, the shot that came out of him wasn't much of a shot. It just went through him. The the shot that I'll give the pass on is Malkin's because you just you just don't give Evgeny Malkin 15 feet of clear space to take a shot. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it goes over the far pad post and in. Like sure make a save, but that's that's an elite score. Scoring an elite goal. Yeah,
2: it's like if it was McKinnon shooting on him right there, I thought we'd, you know... <laughs> I mean, <this> not <laughs> what you can say. Um, and, and one point I made after this game, and I, I stand by it, is that goalies need predictability to help them out. You know, that's the difference between, you know, 880 and 900, basically. And the, I just don't think the Avs are giving either Grubauer or Francois probably Francois to a lesser extent on this, but I don't think they're giving those guys predictable looks and predictable play in front of them. And it's just so chaotic that it's tough for them to track, and it it's just too much for them to think about. And I know it's their job to think about stuff like that, but it just... I I think that the Avs defense makes it a lot harder for them to do their jobs at times.
3: Yeah, it's tough because it's not all one thing. It's like we just said, the, the defending, the forwards aren't defending well, but then each of the goalies every night seems to have at least one iffy one. It seems like Grubauer's having trouble tracking the puck. Frank, I think, is... It seems like he gets surprised sometimes and I don't think it's because of tracking but it's just kind of Puck went somewhere that he didn't think it was going to go and then that kind of happens but as a whole, Frank's stats are better. You could say, does he get the better starts, blah 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 or is he helping them have better games when he's playing so they need to be better but I don't think it's like Last year, when they just the goalies just went in the toilet completely,
2: yeah, I don't think so either. Um, if you look at over the last two weeks, they've been you know, the the save percentage last week was 921 at 5v5, this week it was 913. That's not a big difference. That's a goal every 125 shots on goal, so it's like there's their saving rates are not that different and the results are and so you know what do we make of that and i still think the what
3: top 10 and five on five save percentage i think someone mentioned that
2: oh yeah
0: their their overall save and shooting percentages are still really high like relative to the league
3: so all these takes now granted this is more like the the mainstream local media but they got a trade for a goalie Either these goalies are good enough. I I think that's an extreme at this point, because <laughs> whoever is in net is gonna be playing on the same team.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So <laughs> uh, there's two problems here. Number one is we have seen this episode before. Even if this isn't exactly the same as last season, this happened last season and then the goalies were fine to end the year. So uh, maybe calm a little bit. My other problem with that is a trade for a goalie in season. Almost never works, because the goalie has to learn how to tend net behind a completely different defensive system on the fly.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like you can trade for a backup, because generally, like like a good backup is used to being thrown into weird situations where they're just read and react all the time. But, you know, it's like if they think they need to go out and get a starter, a number one guy... I just don't. I don't think you can get someone that's going to come in and be able to jack the, sa- the save percentage or however you want to value it.
0: No. Um. <clears throat> you have to live or die with your starter, and or your backup if they take the starter's job. But you're not going to go get a new starter.
3: Yeah. And certainly not one that's get That's owed a lot of money. Like the carry price suggestion, which I don't think Avs fans are on board with that, but it just sounds good to media members because Price is a no-name. But yeah. six more years at $10.5 billion.
0: The carry Price suggestion is awesome because it lets you figure out who you can safely ignore <laughs> forever.
3: <laughs> yeah, who has no idea about contracts, does not follow yeah. the league, does not understand how hockey works. Yeah, it, it pretty much is an idiot indicator. So it's just, like, like the Lundquist idea is better because he only has one year left, he probably, like, New York is, wants to go with the two young guys, so I, I could see that's an interesting situation, but no, I, to get a guy like him still is going to take way more assets than, because you are going to pay for that name and his reputation. So, yeah. no, don't do it. <laughs> and my solution with the goalies, I might play Frank a little bit more I'd like to see it more of a 1A 1B but I'm not gonna I wouldn't go completely into Frank's corner either but
0: oh, they've been doing that do you I,
3: think don't, I trade, still
0: think I. I still do
3: you think, think they'd
2: that, trade Grubauer?
3: would they? no yeah. I mean this is the abs no they don't trade anyone in season they uh-uh. should seriously be thinking about what to do with these two goalies in their future upcoming,
2: but well, what if they've decided that, fr- that they'd rather, they'd they rather go be long-term Frank. with Frank. <laughs> yeah. should we play well, with I mean, Frank? That, I, I think Frank playing the, the Pittsburgh game was kind of a sign. Um, I think it was,
3: but he didn't win it. So it was a sign I mean, that Grubauer
0: is back- struggling more than anything else. Yeah. yeah Grubauer's qu- quality start percentage this season is not good at all. Quality start measuring, yes. like, how many of the games that you started, you came out with a save percentage that is league average or better. And his is well below half. Like, well below half.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I, I can't, I can't see how the Avs are all that impressed with Grubauer this year. Um,
3: it's something to think about, because... He's going to want a real long-term contract. He's going to want one of those $7 million deals. Those typical NHL starter deals.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and to, to, to bring us back to New Jersey, and while staying connected to goaltenders for just another second, Tom the, the, the Devils finally made the announcement. Tom Fitzgerald will serve as interim general manager, and he will receive support from Martin Brodeur. Of course,
2: of course. Can't ever get rid of him when he's not filming those Enterprise commercials that drive me nuts. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So let's
0: Um, let's, uh, like we there's it's obvious that the team has to figure out what they're going to do going forward, and it's impossible to know until we see what happens with the rest of the season. But even so, we know for one thing for sure is is that. Philip Grubauer is establishing a pretty serious pattern of being really up and down. And he can be really good, and he can be really down. And it lasts for a little while, whichever it is. If he happens to hit really down in March, you're screwed. Well,
2: the thing is, all right, he was really good at the very end of last season and in the Flames series. I think he was pretty average against the Sharks. Um, I'm, I'm not saying, like... I'm not saying, like, another goalie would have won that series easily or anything like that, but, it, you know, there could have been a difference. Um, I, I'm just I, – I don't – I i don't think the Avs can look at Grubauer and say this is a guy that's going to win us a cup for sure.
0: He can. Um, Doesn't mean he will.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, if Pennington can win a cup, anyone can. I mean, that's that's kind of the rationale here, but – um. You know, I I think I think it's a, a tough thing for them to be going through right now. It's just, um, but you know, they they've want... got some young goalies that that are a couple of years away um, from even being you know real backups. Um, their windows now, and you know, they're not not real sure on the goalie department. I, I, you know, I would honestly see if Frank can be their starter before doing anything rash, but. Um, you know, if if they if they are looking at other goalies, I think it's more like they want a starter, and you know that that's well, why I say like
3: this. This is what they set themselves up for for the last two years. Basically, is this was kind of like Plan A, and there wasn't really a Plan B, and.
2: I'm not. sure. Tr- I mean, what else could they have done? I mean, they could have traded more assets away for a better goaltender, but. Um, well, know, no, guess, and
3: they could have signed one.
2: Yeah, I mean, he I could see totally them insane. not wanting to go near Bobrovsky. You know, I, I just, it's, it's tough to find a starting goaltender. They generally don't change teams, so. Or
3: like Leonard, he was had for pretty much nothing. Is Leonard yeah, not the uh,
2: different from Groubow?
3: He's not my favorite goaltender, but he is a starter.
2: I think he's just too weird for the abs too.
3: Okay. (laughs) I would be comfortable rolling with Frantzos moving forward, but I certainly would like to see him start more often. I don't think it's the everyone loves the backup goalie because he's the grass is greener guy, and he has one hero game every once in a while, and everyone thinks he's going to be like
2: the next big thing but I, th- I mean if you look at the... i know it's different leagues and everything but frank's had more experience as far as playing in sort of meaningful games like his experience in the khl and internationally <clears throat> I, I think had that that's sort of trump's uh, what grubauer has done over his career and you know maybe grubauer's a better goaltender right now but you know, I think you have to find out whether that experience that Frank has can let him go past. I and think the, the money... That is... Is...
3: <laughs> I think the money will split the difference because it's going to be a lot cheaper to sign Frank than it is to find, sign Grubauer.
2: Yeah, and I, just, I don't think you want to be locked into either guy long-term at, at big money. Right, like
3: could it... Frank take a modest, say, three-year deal
2: yeah, Maybe I mean, if like your goal is, has... is, if your goal is in you know four or five years to have Justice Annan and Adam Werner or some, you know, something like that, be your main goalies, then you know you don't you don't want to be locked into, you know, a long eight ten year or eight, eight year ten million dollar goalie deal. I
0: don't
2: think Grubauer is gonna. No, but like if you yeah, twice.
0: so so but... TV, you're underwater. Um, okay, but I don't I don't know that I, I agree with with this angle of of uh Francois being the starter because I really think that his style, like the way that he that he plays, is almost a little bit too reactive for that. I th- I think that he's too prone to leaving pucks sitting in front of him, which his team has to clear, and the ABS are not yeah. very good at that um no. but when they have been those have been his excellent games or he's given up one goal maybe two um when when he doesn't get the clears in front suddenly the rebounds are going in like they are against Pittsburgh um like like they are um in other games so it's just it's tough out there for for me to be really willing to commit yeah let's let's hand a starting chance to to Fransos and see how it goes now if Grubauer never pulls back out of this mess, they don't really have much of a, of a you know they don't really have much of an option. Yeah. Well, if I was going to go with Frenzo's, I would
3: want a, an experienced backup. I would not be ready to go Franco's Werner next year,
2: for example.
0: Well, that would be psychotic. So no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you could probably get Corey Schneider for cheap.
0: He just got called right back up.
2: He sure did.
0: That that's one of the funniest jokes I've seen about the Shero firing so far. Is it Schneider fired him and called himself up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I yeah I, I I mean it's safe to say that you know we're in a bit of a flux period here and I, I you know I am not a goalie blamer like most people I I, I do think a lot of this is on the, the guys playing in front of them but I I think they do need to find out. You know Whether Grubauer is good enough to be the starter going forward.
3: I, I guess my angle is, is that I don't blame the goalies either. It's not that I think Grubauer's just been so terrible. I just think I don't know he's been as good as the commitment that he's going to want.
0: And is I, where I'm at with that. And I'll sum mine up by saying I agree that the defense has been really struggling, but it's been struggling all year. And the goalies have been covering them up, and now they have not been good enough, period. So, I think, it, I think it's fair for us to all come down on slightly different angles on this, and it's pretty... Yeah, like, I mean,
2: it, it, co- it comes down to, we don't, there's a lot of things we don't know. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of it's hard to, stuff. Right. So, you know, how do we find out without dropping, you know, 15 of the next 20 games? <laughs>
0: well, let's, well, let's hope we never find out um but, so, yeah. but the whole reason we've 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 even noticed this if you're not getting saves you have to outscore the problem and i keep calling the same top names here mckinnon has 66 points in 45 game just a cool 120 point pace ranson and despite looking pretty ugly a lot of the time he's still managing to contribute on his ankle and a half We get uneven but steady contributions from Kadri, who's on pace to easily clear 50 points again. Um, Some some of the secondary scoring has chipped in here and there, but but some of the names you haven't heard on the scoreboard in a while include Andre Burakovsky, who's had zero goals and five assists in the last month. Tyson Jost, who had a hat trick in mid-October and since then has managed one goal and seven assists. You hate to add Kale McCarr to this list, but he's got nine goals and only one of them since November 30th. Uh, even a guy like Matt Calvert, who's easily on his way to a career year, two points in the last seven games. Remember offensive contributor and plus-minus leader Ryan Graves, two points in the last month, none since Christmas. Where did some of the scoring go?
2: All right, well check this out. My theory on McCarr and Graves not scoring anymore is they got put together, and they won't. The 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 staff just love it so much that they won't break them apart. But neither guy is producing together um and i realized with mccarr some of that's the power play being up and down um and and, you know that that is what it is but it it seems like it was probably i think it was seven games before mccarr got hurt that he kind of dropped off the table a little bit he went from a point per game down to a half point per game which is you know that's probably where he should be at um but you know the 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 sort of electric play has not been there lately and I realize he's coming back from injury and that's you know that that's maybe part of it. But you know, again we're not seeing it and you know, Graves isn't producing either so why are they together?
0: Because That's like a whole other likes topic. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> because Bednar likes it. Why is a three headed monster back together? Because Bednar yeah. likes it.
2: And that's, you know, that's, that's another thing that I noticed this week. All right, last week that I've shot over 9%, but not a lot over 9%, it was 9.4%, and that was with Miko on another line. I'm, you know, obviously one guy being one line below where he normally is shouldn't change things a ton, but they put the three-headed monster back together this week, and they lost all three games, and they only shot 5%. You know, how much of that is the three-headed monster being together? Well, I
3: think they put them together in the New Jersey game, which then Miko got the hat trick.
2: They I put still... them together. They were together a little bit in that game, yeah. but Miko all three had. games this week, they started.
0: Yeah, Miko I had already they'd... scored, and then they put it together, and Miko scored on their first shift together, and they've been together ever since and have accomplished very little. The hat trick goal was an even netter, or an even netter, hello, an empty netter. Um, it was
2: even, too. It's just I one think of those things, this... you know, like...
3: I think missing Donskoy hurts that because he's the guy that can slot up if you're moving Miko or someone down. I think they've all had their problems. I think McKinnon decided
2: he doesn't okay, need to defend right. anymore. Donskoy was on the second line for the Islander game where they scored zero goals. And... I, but
3: I'm just saying that with him unavailable, you have fewer options of guys that you feel comfortable putting on that top line.
2: I, I mean, if you're not scoring, you're not scoring. It, if you, you know, <clears throat> if putting Miko on another line, or you know, putting Miko with Kadri and Gabe with me, with Mac, that's still not a bad way to go. No, when they Regardless, put Miko
3: with Nieto and I don't even remember who else it was. Comfort that that was awful. Like that that's yeah. not an idea. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: whatever it, that is. It is, it is an, idea. an idea. It's
2: just not a good one. <laughs> Um, but I I mean, it it just, it seems like, and and it's been for like the last year that when they've been together, they, you know, they get a jump sometimes, but then they, they fizzle real quick. I I think a lot of that comes from being a top heavy lineup and the other, and the opponents are just like, oh, cool. We shut this line down and then the game is ours. Um, so I just, I I don't think that as bad as Jared Bednar seems to want those three guys together, that it's in the team's best interest to do that. And, you know, if that requires putting Nichushkin with Kadri and Miko and, and Burakovsky up with Mac and, and Gabe, then that, you know, that's what you have to work with.
1: Uh,
3: but that's the other thing is, he, do, he does not play Burakovsky that much.
0: And, and let's not put Nuke on the second line. That didn't work at all.
2: I mean, what we I have now is not working, so I, I don't know how you're going to get worse. I mean, you're you're shooting 5% this week. What are you going to do, shoot 3%? I mean, come on.
0: You're going to get less I shots. Th-
3: I think Nuke was one of the few that looked like he could hold on to the puck in the Rangers game. But no, it was not good in the Pittsburgh game. So, I think it depends who you put him with. I like him with Kadri, but I don't like... The current who was it with Burkovsky was the their yeah. last idea. No, that doesn't work. They they're gonna have to.
2: That's you're what I'm saying. Put, if you like, put Burkovsky up on the thing. with with Mac and Gabe,
3: <clears throat> they don't like that either. That's and see. I, I don't care what here.
2: they like. I mean, this is they <laughs> they have to make a lineup that works. And and what they did this week didn't work. You know and and in long term the three headed monster has not been good uh for production so they 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 can't just stubbornly keep putting it out there every night hoping it's gonna work like they did last year i mean we you know we know what's gonna happen there
0: yeah they they scored zero goals against the islanders and they scored two real quick ones against the Rangers as the goalie was getting adjusted to his first n h l game ever um and then only one after the rest of that, and then they really only got like one goal that you can write home about against the Penguins, and that and that was because it was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> because they they scored on the power play, which is obviously not got anything to do with your 5 one 5 lines. Gabe Landis cog chips the puck in from center ice, and Matt Murray decides, "Oh, I've got this," and the puck says, "No, you don't," and jumped a random right right angle into the into the net because it felt like it. And then the third goal is a six-on-five deflection. Like, there's not five-on-five generation there. Yeah. Well,
3: getting back to the original question is where'd some of these guys' scoring go? Well, I think their scoring was overrated to begin with on some of them. Like, we knew it wasn't going to continue for Calvert. And Graves, that's another one. Like, he's in the Nick Holden situation. You can't count on that. And then Burakovsky, I think when he had that hot start, and it looked like he was a bona fide top six. Like that was totally a mirage. Like he's he's not that type of score. And I guess the argument is play him more, but I just think he's just not effective with more minutes, and that's a problem there.
2: So I think I think out of those guys, I think Calvert's probably the guy that you could probably get back closer to what he was doing in the fall, just because.
3: Well, he's definitely they, they, been better, and like we like I talked about the other week was that he actually worked on his skill. And I think that's why some of that improvement is sustainable. And they also got to get him back on the Soulmates line with Belmare.
2: Right, and that's key because what that line has is the fact that they are better than most bottom six lines. And uh, we've seen this week that 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 line creeped up into second-line territory as far as time on ice and some of their usage... And again, that, if you do that, then you're not going to get a lot out of Calvert either. So yeah. it's like, you've got to make that the third line and, you know, let them win that battle every night. Uh, because that can carry you through a lot of stuff if you're top six, it really isn't working out that great. And then, you know, I, I just, I don't think that you can continue to put the three-headed monster out there if it's not working. You know, I think Kadri needs help, I, I, I think if you're going to be stubborn about something, be stubborn about getting Miko and, and Kadri to work together.
3: I also think, and this happens, I think that we've been talking about this for the last three years is stop having a fourth line of guys that you want to dress, but don't really want to play. And you certainly don't want to play together. Have a fourth line. That's real. Don't just put Jost and Comfort and now Kamenev there and just whatever it, it's just a waste. And it, it's like it doesn't matter, they're only gonna play about ten minutes, but it just it drains from the rest of your lineup, it drains from your scoring. And Well honestly when Nieto
2: was on that line, it wasn't that bad.
0: I well, think Nieto's yeah. been poor this year, yeah.
2: actually. I
0: think Nieto's really say... fallen off. Especially in the last couple yeah. of months. Like like if you watch him the last couple of games, you can just see him just being super passive out there, and that's not that's not when his game was good.
2: Right, but I'm just saying, when they when that was the fourth line, when it was Nieto, Comfer, and Jost, that actually worked fairly well as far as playing that role. I'm not saying Nieto was any, that great or any of them were all that great, but it's just they, you know, they <clears throat> they have a talent level that, that's generally above most fourth lines, and, they, you know, they can grind out a lot of stuff.
3: And then do we have to have the Jost conversation? Like, I know it's a conversation that has no answer, but...
2: I don't, I don't want to know. piss anyone on the internet off. <laughs> 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 it's, it's the internet. Someone's going to be pissed off. Well, I don't think any
3: of us think he's a super bust and we should trade him for like a fourth round pick just to get rid of him. Or just wave him and send him to the AHL. Or the people that want him to go to the AHL probably don't even know he isn't waiver exempt anymore. But we are not those people. But... I think the frustration is... I think he's fine. Like He doesn't hurt the team. But at this point, why should you be resigned to playing him every single night? They never scratch him. They never look for better. I'm fairly certain Bowers and Kaut could do what he does at minimum. Maybe they could offer something different. They're probably not going to score a ton in the NHL, but could they be better defensive players? Could they drive a line differently? I think you have to explore those things at this point and not just say, well, Jost isn't losing us games, so we're just going to play him every night. We're going to play him nine minutes and give him no role, and he doesn't do anything and we put him on the power play every once in a while for a couple minutes and that's that.
0: Or he also doesn't do anything. It's, what <laughs> is a replacement level player? It's someone who doesn't really do anything that helps the team but doesn't hurt the team either, right? They're, they're guys right. that you they're play no because event. there's only so many excellent hockey players in the world.
3: Right, he's a no-event player, which doesn't lose you games. But again, they have a fourth line that that's pointless. They're just It's like they're okay with having a black hole. Now I don't know what the solution is, dude. I don't. I wouldn't just get rid of him for nothing, but. Like I said, at this point, I think you need to try other players. I don't think he needs to play every single night, which sucks, but you're trying to get better. We're trying to get out of this this funk that we hope doesn't last for another month. When they go, oh, maybe we can use somebody from the AHL for a spark like they did last year after they were losing for two and a half months. And I remember one of the first games they climbed out of the hole was when Greer and Toninato combined for an early goal. They went on to win that game, and then that brought them out of the funk. Like you have to look at what you have as resources that can help you, not just warm bodies that you play when you're desperate.
2: Yeah, and I think that's part of this is the stubbornness that, that you know would this this coaching staff is known for. Um, they have twelve guys that want to play every night and you know, their solution to adversity is do the same thing just better. And <laughs> just
3: try harder that's, next time.
2: Yeah, try harder, do it better, all that. But it you know, they they're convinced, you know, if you guys do what we tell you to do, the way we tell you to, this is gonna work. And you know Sometimes they they, need they tend to blame energy. the players a lot when things aren't going well, and you know, I I do think there are some system flaws that they should probably look at. But um, it's weird that even though they do player blame a lot, they don't, as you say, look for you know maybe you know Bowers, Cout, whoever down in the AHL. Um. They don't look at them as sort of someone that, that, that might be able to, to be an improvement or just be different.
0: Well, let's go ahead and hit this now, because the argument all season long has been that Cow and Bowers haven't earned an NHL call-up yet. Is that not true anymore?
2: I wouldn't say it's true.
1: Yeah,
3: I mean, I mean, my argument in general would be, has anyone ever laid out what earning a call-up means? But without going down that dusty road... They both have been back from injury now, both have been productive. I think Bowers has scored what in nine of his last ten games or something I haven't looked up exactly what it was and it's ten, it's also, of his
2: last eleven uh, yeah. he's almost a point per game player since he came back twelve games ago uh, he has, know, missed he has, missed two with a lower body injury in there but um his you know, one he's been very right productive
3: O'Connor. yeah
2: yeah and count hasn't been as as point productive but he generates shots of at a vigorous rate, way over two and a half per game, and he's become very solid defensively and on the PK. So you um, might
3: even play more than Bowers too. I but think he both does. of them. If if you want to say that they needed to get get their seasons going, get productive, and do something in the AHL, they've absolutely done that.
2: Yeah, and we're closing in on halfway through the AHL season, which is about when. The Pro scouts have their meetings and sort of look at oh, you know, what what do we got in the, in the AHL? Are these guys doing anything different? Or, you know, have they changed since training camp? And then, you know, I think those guys are going to get pretty good report cards. Um, <clears throat> whether if that, they've
3: been paying attention, you know, that's that's well, not, not sure, about that.
2: scat- they'll, they'll come up at the meeting <laughs> for sure. Um, but. But whether that is going to translate into, are these guys going to help our NHL team is the big question. And it just always seems with the Avs that, you know, it's like, no, they're AHL players. We'll play them if we have to. But that's just, you know, that's not something we're doing. It's just faulty
3: thinking because when you're having problems getting through the dog days of the season, maybe intensity and effort is waning. When you have a spark like that, you have guys that come up and they play so hard and they want it so bad and they bring that energy it does spark your team yeah,
2: and every sport has something like this you know whether it's like a sixth man in basketball or a pinch hitter in baseball or something like that it's like bringing someone into the lineup as a spark is something that you know i think generally the other players appreciate because it does change how they play or need to play and, you know, if you're just doing the same thing every night and you're not getting the results you want and, you know, it's starting to get frustrating, I, I think you need to look for a little bit of a spark. And with Donskoja, I think you have a chance to maybe bring someone up that's going to make a little bit of a difference. I doubt it's going to be huge. I doubt it's going to be like Bowers comes up and they immediately win five games or something like that. But, you know, it could shuffle the lineup around role-wise enough that everyone you know, just gets a a little bit better and, you know, it becomes a tipping point.
0: So, the kind of the the conclusion here that we've come to is that there's a whole lot of reasons that they're not able to outscore their problems anymore. Some of it is just because, well, they were always scoring more than you can expect. And another one just being just some kind of stagnation and stubbornness, of, of trying to stick with things that aren't working when there may be more options that they're not looking at. One guy whose offense hasn't dried up, who Avs fans have been deservedly critical of for a lot of the season, but has been playing a, a lot better defensively for the last few weeks now, Sam Girard. Since our last show, yeah. starting New Year's Eve, this is a six-game stretch. Sam Girard of the, well, he's good defensively, even if the offense never really materializes conversation, has 11 <laughs> assists. Even McKinnon yeah. only has 10 points on that stretch. Give it up for Sam.
1: Yes,
3: he deserves I mean, it. I'm so happy that, uh, that he's had this stretch of a couple weeks for him. I never thought he was as poor as some of the people were complaining about him. But after that last Dallas game, I don't know if someone sat down with him, if he just had his own come-to-Jesus moment. And just decided just to play his game, to skate more, to, I don't know what it was, it looked like he just got an injection of energy or something, and that's when he started rolling. And I feel like he's always been shortchanged on points a little bit. I mean, he creates so many plays that they don't finish, and it feels like some of those, they're finally finishing, but also some other things are clicking that he's doing better, and he should have had a star of the week. They gave it to McKinnon instead. Well, so. Matt did
2: have three goals, so.
3: <laughs> Same points, though.
2: I think the Avs should have mentioned him, though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, they were too busy trying to get of the All-Star Game to notice anything. So yeah. I thought an interesting stat was, I think it was after the <clears throat> fifth game, and he had nine points in five games, was the most any Avs defenseman has ever had in five games shocked me because Barry never did. No one in the glory years ever did. That seems like a record that McCarr will break. So it was cool to see that Gerard's getting the accolades for finally finding some points even though we know he's a lot more than just that. But that has been one really good thing this last couple weeks.
2: Yeah, and he and EJ's shot metrics have been ridiculous and I know part of that is that they've been playing from behind a lot, but um, you know, it's like their their shot rates for in like the the you know high eighties, low nineties um, per hour as far as shot attempts at five v five. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's you know, the team averages around sixty or sixty five. So you know, they've they've really been helping everyone else on the ice generate offense.
0: Pretty
2: nice
3: impact. Yeah, yeah, I think he's only been on the ice for three goals against in the last two weeks, nine four and three against. So that's going yeah. to help, especially with all the horrendous breakdowns they've had lately.
2: I know everyone thinks EJ should pack it in, but it you know he's quietly putting together pretty good you know second season since coming back from injury and i pointed this out several times but it's like when he came back from that injury is about when he should have been completely recovered from his shoulder surgery in the early summer so it's not a surprise to me really that you know he wasn't that great in the early fall when he was you know probably should have been still rehabbing in a perfect world but now you know he looks decent and Yeah, we're still making the same EJ mistakes and things like (laughs) that. But you know, it's like he can skate and make you know better puck decisions and whatnot.
3: I think the EJ thing definitely has multi facets because I think he has lost a step, but he probably is best paired with Gerard, and that I know a lot of people didn't like the pair. It's just because they weren't doing well at that time, but it probably is the best match. Yeah. So it's tough because a lot of times when he does good stuff, it goes unnoticed, and it's kind of expected. But then there are those old age <laughs> signs, I guess you could say.
2: Yeah, it, and, and if DJ someone... was left-handed, I would say put him with McCar, and you know that that's you know give that a try if you wanted to. But you know the fact that they have two right-handed defensemen. Um, that sets up perfectly for EJ and Sam and then Makar and whoever.
0: Ryan
3: Graves. Um, well,
2: <laughs> they're, not, they're,
3: not, they're not afraid to try guys on other sides. I think Makar's skilled enough. He could probably play on the left side fine. I think he even did some at UMass, played on the left side. So I don't think that would be I, asking too much for him. But I I know when you have two right shots, do you want to put them on the same pair? Right, to
2: it's everyone else's <laughs> left handedness
3: but if that's how the D works better then so be it
0: so first star of the week of the, of the weeks for us will go to Sam Gerard who else do we want to throw stars at
3: <sighs> I was thinking about this and it was tough because over the last two weeks there really haven't been any other standouts Like everyone's had their individual good moments. Do you get? Do you just give it to McKinnon because he's the next, the next best one production wise? Even though this defense was I been mean, great, he was an NHL great.
2: star of the week for one of the weeks. So yeah, it's got to be worth something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he is still scoring goals, though. So, so yeah, I guess I guess I'll say McKinnon. I mean, that's an easy one. Not a bad. And I default. debated
2: about. I, I debated about whether Miko deserves a star. I think he deserved a star last week, <laughs> but this week it's been, you know, back with He's the not gang. Shooting the
3: puck. It just, I yeah. personally wouldn't. The hat trick was great, but since well, then, I mean, I just... think last
2: week he actually was shooting the puck and doing a lot of good things. Um, You know, I'd consider a star for Gabe Landeskog for the one power play goal that they scored this week was from a beautiful low to high pass that they never use, but totally should all the time. And hopefully Ray Bennett saw that and the light bulb went off. Doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: thought he did play well in the Pittsburgh game, but his lack of assists still disturbed me. <clears throat>
2: But... Maybe he should be. Maybe they, should, if they did the low to high more, he'd <laughs> get more assists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, that was really underrated. I know that you noticed it at the same time I did stuff because that was, we both remarked on in the thread about it, and mm-hmm. it's just. That was such a nice play, and it's something we've been calling for for a long time, is just, here's the variety you need. Work that into what you do, and just watch it go.
0: Just like, you can can do this whenever you want. Just try it. Sometimes it works. It works a lot more than point-to-point-to-point-to-point-to-point-to-point.
2: Sure does.
0: All right. We have spent a tremendous amount of time this week scratching various vague concepts. Are we going to get the Earl Classic scratching the coaching staff again?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would for putting the three-headed monster back together and, and not being able to solve their defensive problems, even though we saw them coming, you know, a month ago. They need to I step guess- up.
3: I guess my scratch is Nieto, which I know is, is a little unfair to pick on bottom six guys, but he was on ice for, I think it was one goal four, three against in his limited time this last two weeks. He's the only guy under 50% Corsi for I just think he hasn't stepped up at all.
2: So I think some of that is usage, but I, I agree that he's just He's not looked to the same old guy recently.
0: So I like the Matt Nieto journey um, because it's a really good indicator of where the team is at. Because when the when, when the Avalanche picked him up off of waivers, um, he was a little bit of a revelation and contributed quite a bit to the team and looked like he was bringing something the Avalanche didn't really have. And fast forward a couple of years, and now it's just like Phew, Matt Nieto is just kind of extra on this team, any. And
2: just totally... I still think his penalty kill work is good.
0: It is. It absolutely is. Um, but uh, apart from I think he's that... getting a little bit older. I, I he's
3: think... had a couple injuries. I don't think it's just that everyone around him is better. He has definitely been a serviceable, important role player. Like, I don't like picking on him. But I did look at the stats this morning. He was at the bottom. Have to pick somebody.
0: And it's not surprising that he would be there. Cause, 'Cause like like I mentioned earlier, especially in, in the Pittsburgh game, you could you can see him in the neutral zone, it's kinda like watching the puck come toward him when it's like, Go get it. <laughs> and then they didn't, and then the then the penguins go the other way. Like there's just several situations like that. Where you, you see him just kind of passengering to, to borrow a bednerism. Um I will use my scratch on Philip Grubauer because he has been consistently like, more consistently not good. Even though his bad yeah. has maybe been not as bad, he's been more consistently not good than Franzos.
3: I'd say definitely in this two weeks that we're talking about, that's, that's fair. He's He has not been good these two weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like you look at a couple of games, sort of like Winnipeg and, and the Rangers game, and you're just kind of like, those, you know, I, I'm not sure if they would have gone much differently with Frank in the net, but you know, those were the games where you looked at, like, the the goalie play was kind of letting us down, and they were both his game.
0: So, as TV mentioned earlier, the Avalanche put a very concentrated effort on getting Kale McCarr into the All-Star game, which obviously worked, didn't it?
2: <laughs> it did not.
0: Nope, the final Central Division spot goes to David Perron and you know if the nhl is going to fix a fan vote, you know it's going to be obvious that they've done it. so this is probably legit.
3: like <laughs> assuming the avs are ever going to come out on top of a league-wide thing is probably setting yourself up for disappointment. so i'm um, not they, they got landy
2: in last year, so <laughs> i mean you can't do that yeah. two years in a row. i mean that would just that that might look worse than the league fixing it.
0: Ah uh, well, well, so, uh, last winter was in the in the middle of having a fantastic season, and, and yeah, part of the more fantastic part of his season. Kale McCarr's last month has been a little quiet.
2: Blah. Yeah, it, it, it's better. I mean, I, I think we were spoiled by. Um... You know his first i think he had 25 points in his first 22 games or something like that something crazy you know, like that
0: and maybe quiet's the uh, wrong word cuz i really think a lot of the reason that kale McCarr's points have slowed down is he keeps hitting the goddamn post
1: i think it is because
0: <laughs> i think he puts a lot of pressure on himself to
3: have those moments to have the kale takes over the game moments and that's so hard to do in the nhl and he still manages manages to do it on occasion
0: <laughs> he went one on four and just scored a power play goal the other day. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how much of a snub this is, because David Perron's having a good season, too. He
2: is. I just, I can't
3: believe that he was voted in. I mean, So I was going to say, I I should not be shocked that an Av didn't win something. But I would <laughs> never guess that he would have been voted in.
0: And, of, and of course, this means that Quinn Hughes is better, right? <laughs> now, now that a couple of our specific listeners are mad as hell uh, we got a little bit of time to um talk about just kind of summing up the world junior i know that uh y'all are in some kind of preliminary talks to put together a podcast about this but just uh give us just the surface level summary of what happened with with world junior as i believe uh Bowen and Byram brought home some hardware
3: Ah uh, yes, he did. He won gold. You wouldn't know it because the Abs did not acknowledge it whatsoever, which that was very strange. But um, it was a nice little story for Canada and for him because they weren't really expected to do much. This World Juniors was in Europe, so they tend to do better in, on North American ice. And um, but I think they played a team game very well. They. Didn't have maybe the big names you would expect except for Lafreniere, but he's 18 years old, so hard to assume contributions from the younger guys. But I think Byram had a good tournament. Maybe people that just look at the box scores don't realize it, but he played a lot. After they had an embarrassing loss against Russia, they shuffled things around and they put him on the top pair and they just played the crap out of him. And In the gold, so he was sick for the semifinals. He had like a stomach flu, and in the finals, he played. I don't remember exactly what it is anymore. Like twenty-three minutes, he didn't leave the ice for the whole like empty net. They Russia got a late power play, and then they pulled the goalie, so it's six on four, and all that. And they leaned on him through that whole time. He played nine minutes in the third period, so he was a really big part of them winning and the defensive effort. And he did pick up an assist in that game. So people should be excited because that's what they were looking for him was to improve defensively this year. But I know the points are the sexy thing and that's not his game at the moment even though I still think he has it. You'll just wait and see it later.
2: Yeah, the big surprise for me was the fact that he got his time on ice jacked up so much. I was really looking for... The usual team Canada just sort of take the young guy with lots of offensive talent and use him in a in a supplementary role, and maybe you know maybe it was the Russia game kind of woke them up, um, but that you know that forced them to put him into a role where <clears throat> I, I think if you were watching it, you're like. This gives me a little bit more confidence that he can come into the NHL next year and make a difference um, as a full-time player, rather than you know as a guy they they want to use offensively but are a little sketchy on defensively.
3: He does he does play a smart game and it's adaptable yeah. and he can carry the puck end to end. He could roam around the offensive zone, but he knows when that's not what's required of him, and then. Maybe people don't realize he's 18 years old, so he was played over five 19-year-olds, including two returning players, yeah. just given all that ice time.
2: And that never so, happens.
1: So <laughs> they did not give that to somebody
0: that hasn't earned So how about the other Avs prospects at World Junior? Well, Zhiravlyov
3: oh. got the silver medal
0: for Russia, and um,
3: I think, as we mentioned before in the other uh podcast a couple weeks ago we thought maybe he would have a little bit bigger role he didn't really stay in that top pair but i think he was effective he moved the puck he played both special team units at certain points and uh, i was glad to see him take home the silver medal
2: yeah i thought he was i i i thought he was good for for what he was he's a fairly i, I don't know it's it's tough to peg him as something but um, I, I don't think he's near NHL level at this point. So I don't think it, it's something where the Avs are are probably going to be looking to sign him this summer, and uh, he's he's signed for next year as well, right? I think so. Yeah, so it, it's not something that's going to be imminent. But you know, he plays a very solid workmanlike game. It just doesn't stand out a lot. So if you're not really focusing on you know where's number two, you're not going to see him.
3: And then the Finns—they had a—they had an up and down tournament. Uh, their their big moment was beating the United States one to nothing in the quarterfinals. And Ananin was fabulous in that game. He made thirty saves. It was a good defensive effort by the whole team because they knew all the dangles were coming and they knew how to stop it. <laughs> and <laughs> it's true—they knew where to put the sticks, and none, none of the dangles happened. <laughs> so uh it, it was a good effort and i think sampo was part of that they, they actually did use him defensively in that game and rambo santa <laughs> <laughs> and uh and Anna was fabulous he stopped everything that he needed to stop in that game and um it looked like they could have challenged for gold even though their offense was really really sad and we we knew it we knew that at the time but then they played canada in the the next game, the semifinals, and um, and uh, I don't know what I really don't know what happened, but Canada scored like three goals in the first three minutes, and that team can't generate offense, so that that was curtains for them. So, yeah. uh, I don't, I'm not going to put it all in Annan, but it wasn't his best effort in that game. And then in the bronze medal game against Sweden, they lost that one, it was closer, I think it was 3 2. So it was a little bit better effort, but we would have liked to see him really shut the door so they could get a medal. And so I'd say all in all, it was positive showing for both Annan and, An- and Ranta. Um, we were hoping maybe they could, could have grabbed a little bit more of the spotlight and made a difference, but I'm still positive on what they were able to do.
2: Yeah. I think Annan had a good tournament. I, I obviously had, the, the opening versus Canada was tough and Ed, I don't put a lot of that on him but you know he's going to take a lot of the blame. I think a lot of people just watched the last two games and they're just kind of turned off by his performance but you know, he's been very good in the Finnish league this year and and I think that showed for the most part in the tournament. I mean he's just for his age he's he's very good. Um and I really liked Sampo. Um he was used in a fourth-line bottom-six energy role, and that was something that was very different from the way the whole rest of the Finnish team played. So it really stood out. I mean, he was one of the only guys that would, you know, enter the zone, blow past people, and drive to the net, um, create chaos and stuff like that. It it's something that's that's very fun to watch, and I think that uh, the way he was able to play well defensively. It, is sort of something we all worried about. <clears throat> and it, it's something that he, he is learning. Um, you know, I, I think the abs probably want to sign him this summer and he'll probably need some AHL time, but I, I think he showed that, that he can probably take that tack and do well at it because he's physically ready for pro hockey.
3: As much as I think it'd be fun to see him signed. I do not want to watch him on the fourth line with, henry and igor next year so <laughs> don't do it sampo <laughs> stay one more year I, that should definitely be enough i don't think he needs to go four years but just say no to fourth line HO.
0: <laughs> anything else on world junior okay
3: no yeah I, it was it was good Glad it's over. It's stressful. (laughs) It's great hockey, though. I wish it was more widely watched. I think... I don't know. If it's not Canada, U.S., I think a lot of people lose interest, and that's a shame because it really is fantastic hockey, especially at the end.
0: It's just tough when it's not in North America because of the time zones. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up in the next two weeks, it's a big, important homestand. Starting on Tuesday, 7 o'clock Mountain against the stupid Dallas Stars. Then on Thursday, the Avs' old nemesis, the San Jose Sharks, are in town, but they sort of stink big time this year. 7 o'clock Mountain. <coughs> on Saturday, it's a 1 o'clock matinee against, oh boy, St. Louis Blues. And then on Monday, well, half of us get the day off work for Martin Luther King Day and the other half get to whine about it. Another 1 o'clock matinee, this time against the hilariously shitty Detroit Red Wings. They trail the next worst team by 12 points. Gosh, you hate to see it. <laughs> All games are on altitude, and the Detroit game is listed as an NHL Network game as well. Four games? Eight points? They really need it. (laughs)
3: Uh, I hope for at least the split, but they need as many points as they can get. This one's tough. I think they're due against Dallas. I really feel like they're going to win that game. San Jose worries me. I know they've been so poor this year. They've been a little bit better lately, though, and they're a team that the Evs don't match up great against in the past. And I'm worried that could be a sneaky bad one.
2: But I don't have any players left. Don't. I, don't think I
3: know. I know. <laughs> your doubt <know, we laughs> now. They should just 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 show up and be old and bad and give us our win. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> In St. Louis. <laughs> St. Louis. I mean, the, the weird
2: thing is, is you look at the last few weeks and the teams that they played the worst against, and I, I, I'm looking at basically the Devils and the Rangers. Um, you, you could sort of make the case of part of the Winnipeg game, although I, I did think they played well for for some pretty good stretches of the Winnipeg. But the the Devils and the Rangers games really stood out as as bad games. And that's kind of what we're looking at with the San Jose and the Detroit games is bad team comes well, to town. You know, how are you going to get up for that? Cause you know, I think they'll pretty, they'll be pretty jacked up for both Dallas and St. Louis.
0: Yeah. San Jose between Dallas and St. Louis is a little spooky on the trap angle.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly. And St. Louis, we've talked enough about tough matchup, but it's at home. So yeah,
2: we know they and can win now. Beating. So,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, they slayed the dragon. Does that mean yeah. just do it again? And then Detroit, I would say that just can't be a trap game. They're just if they show up and they give like ten minutes worth of effort, they should have <laughs> that one in the bag. Just, <laughs> just do it. Do not lose to Detroit and go away for ten whole freaking days and leave everyone with that awful taste of losing to that terrible, terrible team at home. So just don't do it. Just do what you need to do, win that game. They have to. There's just no way they can't, they can't lose that game.
2: Yeah. So... If, if it was going. a road game, I'd be a little bit more worried about it. But, you know, I just see... <clears throat> I can't see Detroit being up for that game much either, so... <laughs> well,
0: that, that could be a real stinker, to be honest.
2: Yeah. I think it'll be unwatchable.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just, so going to be get an Islanders old, Redux.
3: No, yeah. it'll be like they get an early lead, and then they just basically just, not a quite a turtle, but just a,
0: just a sad kind of muck it up finish to the end. Well, I mean, we've seen the season that Detroit are having right now. Like, we have seen that before. So what you can expect to happen is a two, maybe three goal lead by the end of the first, and 45 minutes of garbage time. Yeah. Pretty much. Like they probably all have
3: flights that night. Like just just please, just don't pack it in until that game's it's over. A, it's a
2: nap game. <laughs> if it if it was at night, it would probably put me to sleep early, but it's since it's in the, the afternoon. And luckily I have Martin Luther King Day off so I can actually watch this live, but <laughs> what a treat. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> you
0: get to watch
1: Detroit. So
3: I'm I'm going with Four points I just think that San Jose game's Probably going to be the one they drop Beat Detroit, they'll beat Dallas Then St. Louis, I could see that go to overtime That could be a It could be a Three point game, swing it either way
2: Yeah, I think they'll come up I think they'll get six points out of these four games
0: I'll Um, go five Do you think they'll get the same six points That I think they'll get? (laughs)
2: because <laughs> I'm not sure which six they get. That's the only thing. <laughs> there there are a lot of trap games, and, you know, who knows there.
0: So I think they've had their victory against St. Louis. I don't think they get another one. Um, I, I definitely agree that it's time for this team to beat Dallas, and it's not like Dallas has just spanked them or anything. They just have come up against Dallas at really bad times and really... The struggle has shown. Um, Detroit is just bad, and I th- and I really think San Jose is. While they're not just bad, they're still bad enough that it's a team that Colorado should beat. Yeah. There's your six. I, I
2: think I think that's the kind of bad team that you can get up for considering the the playoff history.
0: Yeah, considering so, you need I, to be I, I don't think that's need, that's going to be a
2: problem there, but
0: you know you need to have a whole bunch of no-doubt goals that are not going to get called back from offside reviews that don't work. So
2: like, Yeah. For I mean I, I'm looking for like a good week for me would be beat Dallas and and hopefully get like a really nice beatdown that we can just spurn on you kind of thing. Um <laughs> That'd be you know, nice, then, then, I'll be there. <laughs> so you know, then, then you kick the sharks in the nuts. And then that way, you know, you got your four points already. You know, whatever happens against St. Louis is gravy.
0: Do sharks have nuts?
3: Yeah. The Sharks will find some way to not bring Martin Jones. They'll play someone else. I don't even know who their backup is. Is it still is it still?
2: I mean, their out? AHL team is so bad, it's not even funny, so I don't think <laughs> they can bring up a goalie that could be any better. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> well, you will hear from us again on All-Star Weekend. Um, we, we, I don't think we have any chance to record that show earlier or anything, so it'll we'll, it'll probably be coming out at the normal time. Um, the all-star weekend kind of sunday monday sort of timing whatever happens between now and then that's when you can find out right here on burgundy radio which is what we're called on soundcloud on uh spotify on google play on apple podcasts on whichever rss based podcast catcher you use on your podcast listening device errone keep your head up to the dirty areas and we will see you in a couple weeks Ten after this is where we start to wonder whether Rudo is going to make it or not. Holy crap!
3: Yeah, what was that? Rip ears. Sorry. <laughs> hey, that wasn't me, right? That was <laughs> me. Okay.
1: <laughs> I
2: was getting the puppy inside. I didn't. Th- I can whistle about fifty times louder than that, so I didn't think that was going to be too loud. <laughs> wow, that was your
3: own whistle. That's crazy.
2: That was a very low whistle. (laughs) Yeah, I can destroy your ears. (laughs) My
3: my whistle for the dog is shaking a bag of treats.
1: (laughs) 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 It's very effective. I'll let you know.